So this morning, in honor of Father's Day, I thought it would be good for us to focus on what does it mean to be a godly man. And today, while our focus is on men, this does not exclude you if you're not a man. Because what we're talking about today is something that each and every one of us should do, something that each and every one of us should strive for. Now, we're going to be jumping around in a lot of different scriptures this morning, but we are going to start out in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And as you're looking that up, I'm sure all of us can think of, of a guy in our life, or at least hope you can, who was a godly man, somebody who you could look up to, somebody who you, you admire and want to become like. And, and as I was thinking about the different godly men in my life, I want to share a little bit about my, my grandfather, who he was not a perfect man. He still isn't a perfect man, but there is definitely godliness there. And I remember when I was a child, I, was watch, I would watch this TV show, and I enjoyed it, and it wasn't bad from, from my perspective, a perspective of, of a child. But I remember my grandfather was visiting one time, and I was watching this show, and he started watching it with me. And during this one scene, he's like, David, should you be watching this show? And I'm like, I didn't see any issue with it, but there was witchcraft uh, during that show, and that's really what the, what the show was, was about. And I was like, well, why? And he, he told me why. I was like, oh, I guess you're right. And so I stopped watching that show. I changed the channel, and I don't think, I don't remember ever watching that show again. And now my grandfather, he will be 98 in September. And why he, why he comes up to me as, as being a, a godly man is he is confined in a wheelchair right now. He had a stroke and a heart attack at the same time a number of years ago. And so he's confined in this chair. And even before that, when his wife uh, had to move into a, to a nursing care facility, even though he was able to get around on his own, he voluntarily left his home so that he could be with her. And that is just amazing. But his rationale was, she's my wife. We belong together. And so here he is, living in a, in a, in a home right now, and he doesn't have any use of his left arm, his left leg, minimal use. And you know what he says when we go to visit him? Praise God. Instead of complaining about his condition, instead of complaining about, you know, he's on his third wife. His first two died of brain aneurysms in the night. And, and think about that. His second wife, they were only married for, I think, about a year. And he suffered through that. He's also suffered the loss of a daughter who died many, many, many years ago. And he doesn't complain about his life. He doesn't complain about all the bad that's happened to him. He's praising God. Hey, you know what? He still has his mind. He is still as funny as ever. And him and I get along, get along great. But a very active guy. He grew up, he was a farmer, confined to a chair now. And for you farmers out there, 
that would be one of the worst things, I think, that, that we could imagine is being confined in a chair. But he praises God for the good. He doesn't focus on the negative. And man, is that an inspiration to me because I have a headache or I have this or I have that. And you know what I do? I complain. I don't praise God for all the good that he's done. I focus on the negative. And I shouldn't do that. And we shouldn't do that. And today, we're going to be focusing on one man, and his name is Caleb. Now, I don't know if you know about Caleb, but Caleb is awesome. We're going to be talking, and we're going to be learning about Caleb today. But he's an inspiration to me as well. And I hope that he is an inspiration for you, too. But before we get into Numbers 13, let's just pray and just dedicate uh, this time to the Lord. Lord, we come before you this morning, and we just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Lord, and, and we thank you for the fathers, too, that you've, that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you also for the, for the godly influences that you have placed in our lives. Lord, and this morning, as we focus on what it means to become a godly man, Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. And Lord, even though there are many out in our congregation, there are many who are listening who are not men, Lord, I pray that this would still speak to them. Lord, because your word is applicable for all of us. So Lord, I just pray that you would guide and, and direct the conversation here. Lord, I just pray that you would open our, our minds, our hearts, Lord, and our ears, that we would listen to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I read this passage in Numbers 13, let me just kind of lay the groundwork for you. This is where the Jews have just gotten out. They just escaped Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. And so what they do is they camp out. They're on the border, and they send out some spies to go check out the land to, to see how good it is, or if it's bad, or what they need to be concerned about. So that's where we're at in history at, at, at this point. So let's start off. We're going to start off with verse uh, 1 and 2. We're going to skip some. We'll just kind of hit the highlights here. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. We're going to uh, jump down to verse 18. And see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds. Jump down to verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us, flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it. 
for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of a great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. All right, so here is a report. These 12 spies, they go out to the land of Canaan, and they spy. And what do they find? Giants, right? They find the Nephilim. Now, we're not going to go into who exactly the Nephilim are. There's a couple theories out there. One is that they were descendants of demons and women um, and having their own spawn. And others is just, you know, uh, godly people and ungodly people marrying and then having children. Whatever, however they came to be, they were giants. They were huge. And when the, the spies went, they said, we look like grasshoppers to them. Okay? We don't know, again, we don't know exactly where they came from. We just know that they are big. And when they get back, Caleb is like, we can do it. And Joshua said, we can do it. But the other 10, they said, no, it's impossible. Now think about that. Recently, they just saw God conquer the entire Egyptians with the plagues, with the Red Sea. Time and time again, God even provided for them food in the desert. And then they go to this situation, and they said, we can't do it. We can't do it. Well, um, Caleb said, yes, we can. Well, there's three things here that we see. We see that a man of God has divine resources. A man of God has divine resources. It means we have things that nobody else has. We have access to tools that other people don't have. Let's read Numbers 14, verse 24. It says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. You see there? It's what's inside that makes a difference. I have here two treasure chests, and they both have a balloon inside of them. Isn't this exciting, a balloon? And all it does is sit there. It does nothing. Now in here, I have another balloon. But that balloon is different. Same color, same packaging. What's the difference between these two balloons? Because one floats. This one, would you watch all day? Is that one exciting? No. But this one, this is exciting. When you saw it come up, how many of you thought, I wonder how high it's going to go? <laughs> now, how many of you, I, you won't even hear anything else I have to say today because you're like, I wonder if that balloon is going to go up. <laughs> and if it goes up, what's he going to do about it? The difference between these two balloons is what's inside. What's inside this balloon? Sit there doing nothing. Perfectly content being there all day. This balloon is fighting. This balloon wants to go as high as it can. And if I cut the ribbon here, 
What's it going to do? Is it going to stay right where it's at? No, it's going to go up. And if I wait till we're outside and do it, is it going to stay that high or, or as high as the ceiling is here? It's going to keep going and going and going. See, a godly man is not like this balloon. A godly man is not content to be where it's at. A godly man is like this balloon, always striving, always pressing on towards what God has for them. Now, these are balloons, and we know that one is just plain air, right, out of my lungs, no big deal. This one has helium. What makes a difference in the life of a godly man? In order to be a godly man, you need to be filled with who? The Holy Spirit, right? You must be born again. You must be born again. You remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, you must be born again. And at this point, Nicodemus is like, is this guy crazy? Because he says, do I need to go back inside my mother's womb to be born again? Now, how many moms out here would love that, to have your adult child to be put back into your womb and to go through that again? It was bad enough the first time when they only weighed six pounds or eight pounds or 10 pounds or what have you. Can you imagine something over 100 pounds? or 200 pounds inside of you and giving birth to that, right? You thought 10 pounds was bad. And so here Nicodemus is like, I don't understand. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about a physical rebirth. He was talking about being spiritually born. And how do we do that, right? How do we do that? We do that by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's what we talked about at Vacation Bible School all week. We talked about putting on the armor of God. And you can't put on the armor of God unless you're part of his kingdom, unless you are one of his soldiers. So my question to you is, which balloon are you? Who or what right, are you filled with? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you striving to be more like Christ, or are you not? And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, no matter how hard this balloon tries and says, hey, I want to be like the other balloon, will this balloon ever float? I mean, I can bat it up, right? It's going to keep coming down because it's not filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, think about that. The Holy Spirit is God. You have divine access to all the tools you need in order to be a godly man. If you try to do it on your own, if this balloon tries to go up to the, to the sky on its own, will it make it? No, it'll just be frustrated. If that balloon had feelings, it would be frustrated. But how many of us try to go up on our own strength and not rely on the power that God has given us? Let's look again at 1424, and we see that a man of God acts differently. A man of God acts differently. Let's, let's read it again, 1424. But my servant Caleb, because he has a 
different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. You see that? A godly man follows the Lord completely. Completely. Not just part way. God, I'm going to follow you to here, and then I'm going to go my own way. How many of you use GPS to get to your destinations that you're not familiar with? What if you only followed those, and you've never been to the destination, but you've only followed those instructions the first half of the way? And said, you know what? I'm just going to make it on my own the next half. Would you get lost? Probably, if you've never been there. And yet sometimes with God, we'll follow his word up to a certain point, and we won't follow him completely. We follow him as long as it's convenient, as, as long as things are going our way. But once it gets tough, we quit. Now think about Caleb, right? He, he viewed this land, and it was good. Yeah, there were some scary giants, but what's a giant compared to God and his power? Nothing. And 10 other men said, nope, we can't do it. How easy is it for us to go along with the crowd? Have you ever been persuaded to go along with the crowd because you were afraid of standing out, of being singled out? A godly man, right, follows the Lord completely. Also, follows the Lord cheerfully. Cheerfully. When you follow God, don't grumble and complain. Oh, I can't believe I have to do this. I, I don't want to do this again. I, yeah. You just struggle and gripe and complain. Sometimes we do that. How many, of, how many of us fathers have children who gripe and complain when they follow you, when they do what you want them to do? Do they ever do that? Doing the dishes or vacuuming or what have you, right? And we all did as kids, I'm sure. I'm sure you complained as a child to your parents. God wants us to follow him, not just completely and do a good job at whatever it is he wants us to do, but to do it cheerfully. Are you, right? Do you feel obligated to serve? Or do you have a heart of gratitude? A man of God also follows the Lord constantly. Constantly. Let's read. We're going to uh, jump over to Joshua 14. We're going to start with verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And this is Caleb talking. 45 years since we just left him a few minutes ago. Okay? Just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness... And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Wow. How old is Caleb at this point? 85. I shouldn't ask, but is there anybody in your 80s here this morning? Can you imagine this scenario? As a child, I remember talking to my friend about this. Caleb would have been awesome. Here he was, an 85-year-old man climbing up a hill, defeating giants. 
That's awesome, right? That is fantastic. What do, not picking on anybody, but what do 85-year-olds end up doing? Oh, I'm retired. It's not my job anymore. If, if this was today, how many of us, and I, I might even be included, you know what? I'm too old. I have aches and pains. I'm just going to sit back. We'll let the young kids go up and fight. So many times as we get older, we say, you know what? I did my job. I did my part. Here, Caleb could have said, you know what? I walked around the wilderness for 45 years. I'm done. Now let my kids and grandkids go up and take care of them. But Caleb didn't do that. Caleb said, hey, Joshua, let me go. Let me take down the giants. I know I'm 85, but so what? I have the power of God. God is on my side. And if God is on your side, can an 85-year-old man take on giants? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, he can. And so what an amazing picture throughout all of this, right? At 85, did Caleb lose his helium? No, he probably even has more helium in him, more um, strength from God to reach on, to stretch out, to be the man of God that God desires him to be. So not only does a man of God have divine resources, not only does he act differently, a man of God enjoys rewards. Enjoys rewards. Let's go back to, um, to Numbers 14, and let's, and let's uh, start with verse 36. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him, by bringing up a bad report about the land, the men who brought up a bad report of the land died by plague before the Lord. Of those men who went to spy out the land, only Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive. Right? We see that the man of God is saved. He is saved. Not just spiritually, but even maybe some hardships of life. When you follow God... Are there blessings? Yes. When you follow God, are there hardships? Yes. But the blessings far outweigh the hardships. Joshua and Caleb, yeah, they had to suffer in the wilderness because of those 10 other guys and how they were able to lead the rest of Israel to grumble and complain against Moses and the Lord. But here we see they got to enjoy the promised land. Even Moses couldn't make it into the promised land. But here, these two men, because they followed, uh, they enjoyed rewards. Now, for those of you godly men who are older, and you've had godly children who grow up, is that a blessing to you, to see your, your, your children and maybe even your grandchildren to walk in the Lord? What a blessing that would be. So a man of God, right, he's saved. He is also sufficed. He is sufficed. Let's read in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They will neither sow nor reap 
nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? The span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God gives the man of God everything he needs. How many fathers are anxious about this or that? You know, about maybe providing for your family, about uh, giving them a, a good education, a proper upbringing. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be like that balloon, right? Point up. Seek first the kingdom of God, and he'll give you what you need. Maybe not everything you want, but he'll give you what you need. You won't lack anything. And it's amazing. How many people here have everything they need? Everybody here has everything you need. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be here. You'd be dead somewhere. But right now, you have everything you need. What are you doing with what God has given you? We also read that the man of God, he's honored and he is remembered. Let's go back to Joshua 15, 14. It says, and Caleb, get this, okay? And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshai and Ahiman and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. How old was Caleb? 85. How many giants did he defeat? At least three, if not their children or whoever. Can an older person do great things like that? Answer me, yes, yes. Even if you're not that old or if you're 20 years older than that, yes, God can use you and you will be honored. You will be remembered because of the impact that you made in the life of somebody else. And it may not even be in the life of your child or grandchild. Maybe you don't even have children. Can you still impact other people? I am amazed at, I'm gonna, I didn't ask him if I could talk about him, but my son. You know how many children younger than him look up to him? He's not a father, but man, do children mimic him? Yeah. As fathers, do your children mimic you? Yeah, because a father is also an example. Whether you like it or not, you are an example. Let's read 1 Corinthians 11, 
one, because it tells us what kind of an example we should be. It says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Fathers, do your children ever act like you? Yes. You know how many times, and I'm pretty sure I said this before, but I do something and it's okay. I say something and it's funny. My child does or says the same thing, and guess what? It's not funny. It's not good. It's not appropriate. How dare they say that? But all they're doing is imitating me. Every single person here, father, mother, sister, brother, living human being, people will imitate you. People will look at you, and people will copy what you say and what you do. Who are you going to be? Who here wants to be like this balloon and just sit there all day doing nothing and want your your children and your neighbors and your friends and family to be just like that, sitting there doing nothing? This balloon is not very exciting. How many of you want to be a balloon like this? How much joy does a balloon like this bring to a child? This brings a little bit of joy. They're excited about that. But you give a kid a balloon filled with helium, you just made their whole day. And if they let go of that balloon and it flies away, you just destroyed their entire life. We should strive to be like that balloon. Not just full of helium, but being full of the Holy Spirit, reaching up to Christ. Imagine if we were all godly people, if we all imitated Christ and then others imitated us. Wouldn't that be what you would want on your tombstone? An imitator of Christ. That would be amazing. But it takes work. It takes effort, not on your own strength, but on the Lord's. Let's pray.